Welcome to the SDG LearnCast with me, Pauline Duman. In every episode, I bring you insightful conversations around the subject of sustainable development and learning, helping us all to achieve a sustainable future. In this episode, we will be speaking about science, technology, and innovation, otherwise known as STI, especially in the context of the STI Forum of the United Nations. Science and technology is intricately meshed together with society. You cannot see one without the other. For example, a lot of people depend on their mobile phones, whether they're smartphones or analog phones, for daily living. A study by the Pew Research Center in 2019 reported that nearly 50% of adults said they could not live without their smartphones. Are you one of them? (laughs) In the COVID-19 pandemic, science research has tremendously helped us reduce the spread of the coronavirus the same way that scientific research has addressed several diseases globally, both infectious and non-communicable ones. Innovation which does not always require high technology or high investment, has helped millions of lives, and we will speak more about this later in this episode. We have the honor to have with us the co-chairs of the STI Forum, Mr. Sergei Kislitsia, the Ambassador and Permanent Representative of Ukraine to the United Nations, and Mr. Kennedy Godfrey Gastorn, the Ambassador and Permanent Representative of Tanzania to the United Nations. Perhaps before we start, could you tell us about the Science, Technology, and Innovation Forum or STI Forum of the United Nations? The STI Forum is a venue which facilitates interaction matchmaking, and the establishment of stakeholders, network, and partnerships. It's also a platform that uh, allows people to exchange ideas and share experiences on how science, technology, and innovation could further accelerate implementation of the Sustainable Development Goal. It's also important to note that uh, the STI Forum is able to identify lessons from COVID-19 pandemic and discuss how to better mobilize STI for sustainable development. Furthermore, the forum, we anticipate that uh, we'll discuss on how can we improve the science policy society interface at all levels and also increase international scientific collaboration for tackling the world's most uh, intractable challenges. Now, in terms of participation, the forum will bring together high-level policymakers and senior government officials, including ministers, scientists, research institutions, engineers, innovators, entrepreneurs, representative of organized science technology communities, the UN system, and international organizations from various parts of the world. They will all come together under the umbrella of uh, the upcoming STI Forum. Now, regarding the question on the topics that will be discussed during the, the, the forum, I can say that the forum will have two parts, which are the ministerial session, and the ministerial session will focus primarily on science, technology, and innovation for the SDGs and sustainable recovery from COVID-19 pandemic. 
This session will also, among others, discuss best practices of technologies and innovation that have emerged during the COVID-19 crisis to tackle inequities or inequalities, particularly affecting vulnerable groups, including those equalizing access to good quality healthcare, education, and finance, and perhaps also how can the national STI roadmaps and many other action plans can be aligned regionally and globally towards a more cost-effective SDGs-focused STI development. The STI Forum is exceptionally important to all countries of the United Nations because we can't imagine any advance in the areas of responsibility of the United Nations without applying modern technologies and advancing science achievements. And the world becomes even more sophisticated and it is very difficult sometimes even to learn about the advance of science, let alone use it in practice. So I'm very happy that scientists and scholars all around the world are so engaged and are so happy to work with us politicians here in the United Nations for the benefit of the countries. Recently, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, Science and technology's credibility and legitimacy may have been questioned by politicians, ordinary citizens, businesses, and other parts of society. This may have created doubts about facts and evidence. But what is also important to consider is that in any scientific field, there is always scope for disagreements. Difference can result from dissimilar methodologies, divergent sample sizes, and time horizons, and so on. And such disagreements can be resolved through international scientific assessments and forums in which results can be shared, compared, and tested among peers. In your view, what can be done to ensure the legitimacy and credibility of science and protect it from the potential negative effects of politics on scientific research? Science, uh, in my view, must be accessible to everyone if it is to be broadly valued and useful in public and personal decision-making processes. And scientific engagement best engages the public when it acknowledges other explanations of public's understanding and beliefs about natural and social phenomena. To this end, transdisciplinary issues such as, for instance, climate change or pandemic policies, environmental sustainability, all these brings the scientific enterprise into direct contact with the messy words of individual values or preferences and powerful social movements and the like. And I believe that universities have a responsibility to advance science as a highly reasoned and public-reviewed knowledge platform. Science, therefore, and science advice is playing an increasing role, in my view, in the formulation of policy and decision-making. Governments would certainly require scientific evidence in a wide range of situations in making short-term, long-term policies, but also in setting several agendas, including in managing crisis. And the most appropriate source and nature of scientific and technical advice depends upon the purpose of which it is to be used. And most importantly, this all needs to be done with a clear recognition that science relies on public trust. So misinformation in and about science could easily undermine this trust. We cannot afford to let that happen. Scientists and engineers may have sometimes forgotten to be accountable to society. And what I mean by this is that it can happen that we sometimes neglect to communicate insights to pressing global issues and deliberations about the future we want. 
And I believe this is the strength of the STI Forum because it brings scientists, researchers, engineers, and innovators to find consensus to catalyze science, technology, and innovation that will give rise to new research questions that are practical and useful to society and break that image of science as an ivory tower pursuit. Ambassador, if I were a scientific researcher or technologist, what mechanisms and resources are available to people who have ideas to help their communities? What support can they get? That's actually a great question. In fact, numerous ideas often stem from the oddest circumstances and they subsequently could, uh, could truly make a difference in technologies uh, facilitating our day-to-day -day life or even impact the future of the technology as we know it today. To this end, there are multiple funds, state, private, non-profit, etc. Just like a recently established UNICEF Innovation Fund providing early stage financing for technology startups that have the potential to benefit humanity. Other example is the Global Innovation Fund and Nonprofit Impact First Investment Fund headquartered in London with offices in Washington DC and Nairobi in Kenya. It invests in the development, rigorous testing and scaling up of new products, services, business process or policy reforms that are more cost effective than current practice and targeted at improving the lives of the world's poorest people. Through their grants and raised capital, they support these uh, breakthrough solutions from uh, for-profit firms, non-profit organizations, researchers, and government agencies uh, to maximize their impact and catalyze meaningful change. Because the best ideas for solving some of the world's most critical development problems can come from anyone, anywhere. We provide an open window to receive innovative ideas and assess their whether they are right for a gift investment or not. And would you say that it is easily accessible for people to have access to these existing technologies and funding, like in the examples that you've provided? We have to assess it in very close cooperation with our constituents. And that's why, as I said at the beginning, it is so important that there are so many scientists and scholars that are willing to get engaged uh, with the United Nations and with the STI Forum. So it's a process on the go. And I'm sure that the United Nations and member states are very open to receive feedback from the constituents. We spoke about access to mechanisms, resources, and funds for individuals, organizations, and businesses who have ideas to help their communities. Now, what I wanted to do is to talk more about making technology accessible. Ambassador Gastorin, could you tell us more about the importance of accessibility of technologies? Digital technology, in my view. The digital technology, the tools, the systems, and devices that we use to work, communicate, and manage our day-to-day -day lives has made life more comfortable today. And it was also supposed to blur the lines of race, gender, age, and ability, and so forth. But technology has more work to do to become truly inclusive as we speak. While accessible technology makes sense from legal and business standpoints, 
It also helps to promote uh, a more inclusive society that benefits all. So the lack of accessibility denies full digital experiences to people with disabilities, reinforcing society inequity, and uh, building accessibility into technology and advocating for accessible technology programs in organizations can help lead to a more just world. And at its core, accessibility means making your product as usable as possible to the greatest number of people. The appeal and the efficiency that entails correlates to higher revenue. So here, there is, uh, here is why all businesses can achieve a high return of investment from paying attention to accessibility. What is also important is that there are a lot of scholars and scientists, experts, who are engaging more and more in social change, especially with the United Nations. But what we also see is that there is a big divide between those who have expertise, skills, and knowledge within countries and also among countries. There is also a divide or a gap, a knowledge gap or expertise gap among young people and women, especially in developing countries. Maybe you can provide us with examples on how we can address these divides, especially with the gender digital divide. Right. Before I give an answer to this question, I would like to say that divides exist uh, not only between North and South, East and West, poor countries and uh, rich countries. Divides exist uh, even here in Manhattan or in New York City. People are living in bubbles. And the very aim of your place of residence, like New York City, doesn't mean that you may have equality and equity at the same time. So we shouldn't really uh, simplify the issue of divide between be it countries or citizens of a given country. So we can't seem to live, for example, without the internet, but still only around half of uh, the world's population is uh, connected to it. There are many reasons for this, uh, including economic and social reasons. But for some, the internet just isn't accessible because they have no connection. According to UNESCO, only 55% of households globally have an internet connection. In the poorest countries, this percentage drops to below 20%. Interesting fact is that globally, women are 23% less likely to have internet access than men. This divide exists even in countries with high internet penetration. In Iraq, 98% of men can connect to the internet, but only 53% of women are able to. A similar problem is seen in global female participation in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics professions, even in developed countries. Within the G20 countries, women represent less than 15% of ICT professionals, and this gender and skills gap is getting wider every year. There are numerous reasons for this from gender stereotypes and biases to societal and cultural barriers. A number of countries have put in place measures aimed to engage women and girls in STEM across the education systems. In 2018-2019, the Australian government committed 4.5 million US dollars over four years to support long-term strategic approaches 
to encourage more women and girls to pursue STEM education and careers. South Korea is supporting a research fund for female student research teams in architecture, material science and machinery, as well as computers. Germany launched in 2008 the National Pact for Women in STEM Careers to increase women's interest in scientific and technical studies. The initiative is bringing together politics, business, science and the media to improve the image of STEM-related professions in society. Isolation is a serious problem, and getting out of our own bubbles is always an important message to remember. One of the things that is really problematic is that when it comes to um, science, technology, and innovation, no one thinks about the poor or they are seldom thought of. Pro-poor innovation and technology are not usually addressed by markets because there are no incentives. So in your experience, Ambassador Kislitsia, as you have been working in the United Nations for years, and the United Nations has this role to really push for ensuring that we leave no one behind, especially in the area of technology, science, and innovation. How can we ensure that we develop pro-poor, grassroots, social innovation that solves the problem of our poor communities? I think that in order to eradicate poverty, promote inclusive growth and move economies onto sustainable development uh, trajectories over the period of 2015-2030, affordable technological solutions have to be developed and disseminated in a timely manner, benefiting the poor as a matter of priority. The experience of a number of developing countries shows that development policies need to actively promote pro-poor entrepreneurship and innovation strategies, taking into account the practic uh, particular characteristics of poor regions and uh, communities. Entrepreneurship is key to uh, job creation and inclusive growth. The disproportionate number of women scientists, researchers, innovators or entrepreneurs and the seemingly stalled pace of change towards a more equitable gender balance is typical of many countries with large, poor and rural populations, in particular in many African countries and in South Asia. The potential involvement of women in innovation is fundamentally important when we consider where the main impact of both urban and rural poverty is felt among its households and children. Innovations are less specifically targeted to sustainability strategies than to market demands. One area of innovation that is largely ignored but has direct practical implications for sustainable development is grassroots innovation. It refers to innovation among poor people in the use of daily products, services, and processes. The National Innovation Foundation and its Honeybee Network in India have documented over 300,000 of such innovations, and these innovations do not require high technology or high investment, but they directly improve the lives of the poor. Many of them have the potential for being funded to become commercial products.
And as a final question, we have a lot of young listeners in the SDG Learning Cast. What would be your message to young aspiring engineers, mathematicians, scientists, and researchers for them to be empowered to use technology, science, and innovation for building a sustainable future? Well, I don't know. For me, it's more a philosophical question because being 50 plus years now, I can say that being young is a huge advantage. And I encourage everyone who considers himself or herself as young to concentrate on getting as much knowledge as possible, but to be able at the same time to operate out of box, to be able to look beyond the framework that is already there, because innovation is creativity, but you can't really create something without a solid academic basis. So it is certainly an art how to match uh, your academic uh, knowledge and your ability to to be creative. So be creative, uh, challenge the political establishment or the scientific establishment, but you can only be successful in challenging uh, them if you have solid knowledge. So invest as much uh, time as possible in getting this knowledge. Thank you. I really want to encourage different stakeholders and listeners to participate and all follow the discussions of the Science, Technology and Innovation Forum, which is planned to take place from the 5th to 6th May this year, 2022. In my view, this is an opportunity to interact with the different scientists, planners, policymakers and many others on how best we can improve STI in the implementation of the Sustainable Development Goal. In this regard, I also encourage them to visit our STI Forum's website where they can get more information regarding the forum. In conjunction to this, I also encourage them to download the Hoover app or register on the Hoover platform, which is found in all Android and Apple smartphones where all events of the upcoming STI Forum will be broadcasted. was our SDG LearnCast with Ambassador Kislitsia and Ambassador Gastorn of the SDI Forum. I hope that you took away from this episode that science and society are intricately connected and that science, technology, and innovation are really about people. It is important to build relationships between practitioners in science, technology, and innovation sectors and connect and engage with them in the wider socio-political context. Second, it is possible to create new technologies and innovation that is economically profitable, inclusive, ecologically sustainable, and socially responsible. And lastly, although it is important to be a master of your subject matter and achieve excellence academically, it is important to remember that real life happens outside of libraries and laboratories. Message is go out there, talk to people, and ask how you can make science, technology, and innovation useful and practical to get millions out of hunger, poverty, fight climate change, and make our society a better place for your generation and for the future ones. You can find more of the SDG LearnCast on the UNSDG Learn website. For now, I'm Pauline Duman. Thanks for listening.